Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 to 21, it reads, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let's bow for prayer. O God, we bless you. You are our great God. And we ask now as we study your eternal word, please teach us how we can live lives that are full of passion for your sake and for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. A passion to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. There in verse number 19, we note the reference to the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The book of Philippians was written from a Roman prison cell where the Apostle Paul was kept and we see that very clearly spelled out in a number of verses here in chapter 1. Note there verse number 7 of chapter 1. It reads, in my bonds. And then go down to verse number 13 and 14 of chapter 1. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And then in verse number 16, at the end of the verse there, it talks about my bonds. So it's very clear this book, the book of Philippians, was written uh, from a prison cell to believers there at Philippi. And with Paul rejoicing in the fact that Jesus Christ is uh, preached back there in verse number 18, please note verse number 18, what then notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. With the Apostle Paul rejoicing that Jesus Christ is preached, he acknowledges in verse number 19, the prayers of the saints. Note then verse number 19 once again, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayers. So the Apostle Paul acknowledges the prayers of the saints and the power of the Holy Spirit through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is confident that God will provide deliverance. Note there in 
verse 19, he uses the word salvation. Now, 99.9% of the time when this word is used, it's in reference to spiritual salvation. Salvation in Jesus Christ. But here, the context is not in reference to his salvation. He's already saved. He's referring to his deliverance, his salvation from his current situation, that he's in a Roman prison cell. And he is confident, he is confident that God will provide deliverance from this bond, these bonds that he refers to uh, being in prison in verse 1 and verses 12 and 13 and 16. So the Apostle Paul is confident that God will provide deliverance. Why? Because God's people are praying. And as a result, God's Spirit will work in great power. Now this morning, I'd like for us to note the connection in verse 19 between prayer and the supply of the Spirit. Prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. There is a connection between prayer and the Spirit, the working of God's Spirit in our lives. If we want the evidence of God's power in our lives, it comes through much communion with God in prayer. Therefore, we have this connection here in verse number 19, where the Apostle Paul said, I am confident, I am confident of my deliverance based upon your prayers for me and the working of God's Spirit in my life and through my life. Turn with me to the book of Acts, please, chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. In verse number 1 it reads, Acts chapter 2 verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now what's this in reference to? Well go back to chapter 1 please. Chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Verse 15, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of the names together were about an hundred and twenty. So this gathering was a prayer meeting. They were in one accord, in one place, praying, and the Bible teaches us there is no less than 120 individuals. Well, what takes place as a result of this prayer meeting? Well, back in chapter 2, please, note there in verse number 14, 
But Peter, Acts 2.14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. So Simon Peter begins to preach here on the day of Pentecost. And note what happens there in verse number 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then note then verse number 41, please. In fact, let's read verse 40 as well. 40 and 41, and with many of those words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So 3,000 individuals, 3,000 Jewish individuals were saved and baptized. And all this stems back to a prayer meeting that took place where people assembled in one place, in one accord, and prayed for the power of the Spirit of God. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem until you be endured with power from on high. So as this group of believers prayed, And spent time in the presence of God. God worked mightily and through the preaching of Simon Peter. The Bible teaches us on that day of Pentecost, 3,000 Jewish individuals were not only converted but baptized. So we see the connection between prayer and the work of God's Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit at work in a person's life. And if you go back to Philippians, please, Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, note then verse 19 that the apostle uses the word supply through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The word supply is only mentioned here and one other place in Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Ephesians 4, 16, it reads, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplier. This is the same base word, supply, there in Philippians 1.19. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edification of itself in love. The Bible likens the church to a body, and each believer has a part in that body. And and as each part of the body does his part, they are supplying, they are ministering to the remainder of the body. So the Apostle Paul uses this word and he connects it with prayer and the Apostle Paul said, I am uh, confident 
that God will provide deliverance because of your prayers for me and because of the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The word supply here means to furnish. It means to to fit out, to add, to make a contribution. And the Apostle Paul is literally saying, your prayers for me will furnish me with the Spirit's power in my life. That is literally what he's saying. Your prayers for me will furnish me with the Spirit's power in my life. In what way was the power of the Spirit evident in Paul's life? Of which the Apostle Paul commands the church at Philippi for praying for him. And with our monthly theme to live with passion for Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to be mindful this morning that we need to see that there is a strong connection between prayer in the life of the believer and the evidence of God's power, the power of the Holy Spirit on the life of the believer. Prayer equals the power of God. The power of God equals prayer. And if you and I want to have the evidence of God's power upon our lives, if we want to truly live our Christian life under the guidance of His Spirit, then we need to see the importance of communion with God, spending time with Him. Because it was because of that group of believers there in the early pages of the book of Acts, because they devoted time in prayer of one accord in one place, there was a great working of God there on the day of Pentecost. In what way was the power of the Spirit evident in the life of the Apostle Paul? as he commends the church at Philippi for praying for him. And he said, in essence, because you've prayed for me, God has given me his strength, his power, the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Christian life is a supernatural life. I'm afraid that there are many casualties within the Christian world because many of God's people are trying to live the Christian life not in the power of the Spirit, but in the power of the flesh. And this is why many believers, so-called believers, endure for a season and then bail out. The casualty rate is extraordinary. And could it well be, could one of the reasons be simply because many of God's people are not living the Spirit-filled life? 
They're not living their life in the power of the Spirit. They're living their Christian life in the arm of the flesh, doing it in their own strength. And eventually we become weary and we get discouraged. So we need to be mindful this morning and I trust that during the course of this month, you and I will be mindful as Bible-believing Christians that we are to live the Christian life under the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul commends this church, for I know this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. In what way was the power of the Spirit evident in Paul's life? Let's note. And what are some uh, uh, examples or what evidence will there be in your life and in my life if we are living in the power of the Spirit of God? Well, note then verse 20, please, of Philippians 1. It reads, according to my earnest expectation and my, let's say it together, hope, hope, hope. In what way was the power of the Spirit evident in Paul's life? The Apostle Paul had hope. Note the wording there, earnest expectation, earnest Zealous. I'm zealously looking forward to my hope, personal, my hope. Even though Paul was in prison, it was not a hopeless situation. He was hopeful of his deliverance and he was hopeful that there will be a furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ because of his time in prison. Note then verse 12 please of Philippians 1. But I would you should understand brethren that the things which happen unto me what I'm experiencing have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel the word rather there is a very important word it's saying you'd expect being under lock and key that the gospel will be hindered but the absolute opposite has taken place rather my bonds has resulted in the furtherance of the gospel see this man lived with hope. See, to know God is to know hope. I think of our, I'm mindful of our first preacher, Richard Johnson, how he must have felt to have that building, that first church building that he built with his own hands and with his own monies burnt to the ground. This man didn't quit he continued to serve God because his hope was in God. It wasn't in brick and mortar. And beloved, if you and I are living in the power of the Holy Spirit, then we will live with hope. Live with hope. To know God is to know hope. Quickly, Romans chapter 15, please. Romans 15. 
Note then verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope. Note this next little phrase. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. To live in the power of the Spirit is to live with hope. The fuel that will keep us moving forward for the Lord is hope. Hope. So note the connection there between hope and the power of the Spirit of God. And there back in Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul had this hope. He said, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, I thank God, said the Apostle Paul, for your prayers for me and the evidence of God's Spirit at work in my life, the supply of the Spirit of Christ in my life that gives me hope hope it was hope in God that sustained Jeremiah as he witnessed the the destruction of Jerusalem there in Lamentations chapter 3 he said great is thy faithfulness hope in what way was the power of the spirit evident in Paul's life hope hope do you possess the hope of eternal life The hope of eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. And my friend, if you will receive, if you will receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can have within you, in the person of Christ, hope. Because hope comes from God. He is the God of hope. The supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. We note hope here in verse. 20. But looking at verse 20 once again, please, in Philippians chapter 1, what else do we note here? The verse goes on to read that in nothing, that's a 100% word right there, in nothing I shall be, let's say it together, ashamed. Hope unashamed. Hope unashamed. So the apostle wasn't in prison because of some crime committed. He's in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, of which he emphatically said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Unashamed. Let me ask you this morning, are you ashamed of Jesus Christ? Do you openly testify of him? Are you happy for people to see and know that you're a Christian? Or do you work out your Christianity in secret like Nicodemus of old who initially came to Christ by night in John chapter 3? 
And then we don't read of Nicodemus until the end of the gospel where he's concerned about the burial of our Lord, which seems to indicate that possibly Nicodemus was born again. But the secrecy makes us question, does it not? But we don't find this in the Apostle Paul. He said, I'm not ashamed. In nothing I shall be ashamed. I'm not in prison because I've murdered anybody. I'm not in prison because I've stolen anything. I'm here in prison because I've chosen to align myself with Jesus Christ and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. To live in the power of the Spirit means that you and I will unashamedly stand for Jesus Christ by declaring and confessing Him before others. Let me ask you this morning, does your family know that you're a Christian? For those of you that confess Christ to save you this morning, do they know? Does mum know? Does dad know? Do your siblings know? What about your neighbours? Do they know that you're a Christian? What about your work colleagues? Do they know that you're a Christian? What about your mechanic? Does he know that you're a Christian? See, if you and I are living under the power of the Holy Spirit, the Christ life will come out. And we will openly declare him. The Lord Jesus said in Mark 8, 38, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... Of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Are you ashamed of Jesus Christ? Or do you openly testify of him? Give evidence that you're a Christian. To live under the power of the Spirit of God means that I am unashamed. To be shamed is the work of the flesh, not the work of the Spirit. Hope, unashamed. Go back to Philippians 1, please, verse 20. What else do we see? The supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ provides hope, causes me to be unashamed. But also note there, verse 20, it reads, but that with all boldness, boldness. The Apostle Paul could have felt intimidated, fearful, insecure, but he testified that God has given him boldness. God has given him courage to declare Jesus Christ with great power. 
We see a connection between boldness and the work of the Spirit in the life of a believer. A good example of that is in Acts chapter 4, please. Go back to the book of Acts chapter 4. Verses 12 and 13. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And note there in verse 31, please. Acts 4. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with what? See the connection? You see it? Prayer, the Spirit, boldness. Amen, preacher. It's there. It's there. The supply of the Spirit. We see the boldness that God gave the great apostle, though in a prison cell, though seemingly restricted physically, yet he could proclaim Christ without fear and with great boldness. The connection between prayer, the Spirit, and boldness, a life lived in the power of the Spirit, will give the evidence of holy boldness for the Lord. How bold are you for the Lord? How bold am I for the Lord? Therein lies how much of the Spirit controls your life and my life. Go back to Philippians 1.20. The next key word is magnified. Note then verse 20. Now also Christ shall be magnified in my body whether it be by life or by death. In what way was the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, evident in Paul's life? That is the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Hope, unashamed, boldness, and fourthly, Christ is magnified. To magnify means to enlarge. Paul's life work was to enlarge Jesus Christ before others. Is that what you genuinely desire to do in your life? To magnify Jesus Christ before others? The Apostle Paul was not interested in putting his name forward. He wasn't interested in people knowing of the Apostle Paul. That wasn't his goal in life. He said, I live in this body to magnify Christ. He wanted people to see Jesus Christ alone magnified. 
Could this be the very secret that earned the commendation of the greatest, that is John the Baptist by the Lord Jesus? Where John the Baptist said he must increase, I must decrease. To magnify Jesus Christ. When we are living in the power of the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ will be magnified. And if he is magnified, we can expect, as it reads in John 12, 32, and I, said the Lord Jesus, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. The work of the Spirit is to magnify Christ. In John 15, 26, the Lord Jesus said, concerning the coming Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit of God, he said, And when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Paul wanted to be a telescope, bringing Jesus Christ into full view. He wanted to give all people a perfect portrayal of Christ. He wanted to bring Christ so close so that he will be so enlarged so that all cannot help but see him and see him alone in all his fullness and glory. A life lived in the power of the Spirit of God is a life that is lived with hope, a life that is lived unashamed of Christ, a life lived with boldness, a life lived that magnifies Christ. Where people see Jesus Christ in and through our lives. Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And last but not least this morning, look at verse 21, please. Philippians 1:21. It reads, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The Apostle Paul was content with the chief end of magnifying Jesus Christ, whether it be by life, by living another day, of which he had no guarantee of, by life or by death. In verse 21, I see the principle of full surrender, complete surrender. 
Because the Apostle Paul was fully surrendered, for he said, for me to live is Christ. My life is Christ. Jesus Christ was his life. And as far as the Apostle was concerned, it did not matter whether he lived another day or another week or another month. He said, for me to live in the present is Christ. And if God gives me another day, I'll live it for Christ. If God gives me another week, I'll live it for Christ. So whether by life or by death, I'm living for Christ. I'm surrendered. And whatever that means, for God's glory, God's will be done. Full and complete surrender. Being in prison... The Apostle Paul knew that death was a strong possibility. But it didn't unsettle him. Why? He was fully surrendered. See, Jesus Christ was just, was not just a part of his life. Jesus Christ was his life. There's a vast difference. Now, if you've been dozing off up until this point, wake up now. Please. I'm convinced this is the problem, one of the chief problems of our day amongst Bible-believing Christians. And that is that Jesus Christ is a part. A part of our lives. As opposed to Jesus Christ being my life. There is a vast difference. For me to live is Christ. You might say, oh, pastor, you're a preacher, you're a pastor. He should be your life. Now, hang on, he should be your life as well. Whether you're a preacher or not doesn't matter. For me to live as Christ should be your motto as much as my motto. And when a person is filled with the Spirit of God and living under the power of the Holy Spirit, they understand surrender. And they're prepared to say, Lord, take my life and let it be fully consecrated to Thee. A life that is fully surrendered will exemplify what the Lord Jesus said there in Mark chapter 10. Quickly, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Our Lord's conversation with a rich young ruler. Note then verse 21. Then Jesus beholding him loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up thy cross, 
and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. Are you fully surrendered to Jesus Christ? Is Jesus Christ beyond a part of your life? He is your life. How is that possible? A life lived under the power of the Spirit, a life lived under the powerful control of the Spirit will be a fully surrendered life. Let me tell you why the, why the laborers are few. Because many of God's people are not living under the guidance of the Spirit. See, the Apostle Paul commends the church at Philippi. And he said, I'm confident that because of your prayers and the supply of the Spirit, there will be deliverance. And because of the supply of the Spirit in my life, I have hope, he said, unashamed, bold, magnify Christ, fully surrendered. The evidence of the supply of the Spirit in the life of a believer. But what is the key to having the power of the Spirit upon our lives? What's the key? Prayer. How's your prayer life? Did you pray this morning? I'm not talking about some token little prayer. Did you actually have a prayer time this morning? There's a connection between prayer and the power of the Spirit. That's my emphasis this morning. A passion to live in the power of the Spirit can be achievable if you and I will give ourselves to prayer. For the Apostle Paul said, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And if you and I are Spirit-filled Christians, we will give the evidence of hope, We will be unashamed. We will be bold. We will magnify Christ. We're concerned about people knowing Christ, not, not concerned about ourselves. And we will be fully surrendered. For me to live is Christ.
Five marks of the Spirit-filled life. The supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Channeled into the life of a believer through prayer. Let's bow for prayer.